this is Andrew. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast where we rewatch the very special episodes of sitcoms that we loved as children and figure out what they have to say to us today as adults. Today we're going to be looking at the show Boy Meets World. The episode is Cult Fiction. This is season four, episode 21, which first premiered on April 25th, 1997. It was written by Jeff Manel, and you can watch this on Hulu if you like. We have a little feature on the podcast we call Snack of the Day, what we're snacking on while we're watching this episode and talking about it. However, both Andrew and I have unsubscribed from podcasts because Mm. we heard chewing noises mm-hmm. on the track and we promise you that we, you will never hear that on this podcast. That is the one and only guarantee, guarantee. on this podcast. Uh, so Andrew, what is our snack of the day today? Uh, we have Japanese style peanuts, which uh, neither of us have ever nope, tried before. I've never seen this before. Yeah, I, I have no no clue about what this is. I they actually are, looked them up. Please we, don't. I don't want to know. Okay. I don't. I want to go into this completely blind. Okay. Taste blind. All right. Um, now we're going to eat them. When we hit that road, hell for leather, cats and dogs will dance in the heather, birds and frogs will sing all together in the toll. Okay, so what this is yeah. is a peanut coated in wheat flour dough and then fried or deep fried, and they were actually created in Mexico by a Japanese immigrant. Sure. Uh, but And he called them Japanese peanuts and sold them that way, but there were no such thing as Japanese peanuts in Japan at the time in the 40s when gotcha. he created them. I think they're gross. Uh, they're not great. What uh, the technology here seems to be is take a perfectly good peanut and surround it with a shitty-tasting peanut-like substitute. Yeah, like if you can imagine eating brown. Yeah, eat, that's it. It's brown. the color brown. Like yeah. if you get like a blue... Lollipop or something like that, except it's brown and it's you would brown. never fucking eat it. Yeah, it's really salty and not in a good way. Uh, it seems to be also stuck between my teeth forever. <laughs> uh, the archaeologists will dig me up and be like, what's this? <laughs> what is this? Was he eating brown? And then they'll taste it and the cycle will continue. <laughs> okay, um, let, let's get into this. Boy Meets World. I am way more familiar with the show than you are. We talked about this. I watched the show a lot growing up. This was like... 1997, I was in junior high school, and as we know, or as I think most people know, the way that the demographics work is kids tend to watch shows about characters who are slightly older than they are. Right. And so these kids are in high school. I was in junior high. This was marketed to me. And so I was super familiar with this show, but you were not. I've never seen the show before the episode that we watched this time, 97, I had graduated high school and... There's nothing creepier than a dude who's graduated high school watching (laughs) high school kids on TV. You are just saying that because you know I love Riverdale. Yeah, I'm 100% saying that because you love Riverdale. Yeah, that that feels hurtful. That feels targeted. Perfect. Um, Mission accomplished. Cool. You're a jerk. All right. So in this episode, Sean Hunter, one of the main characters in the show, gets involved with a cult. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, this Uh, or not interestingly, probably (laughs) very purposefully, this episode aired almost exactly one month after the Heaven's Gate suicides. Oh, is that true? Yeah. So this, the Heaven's Gate suicides were on March 26th, 1997. This aired on April 25th, 1997. Well, you know what a good thing to do would be if you're going to do a special episode time with something that just happened is give it a funny name like cult fiction. Yeah, that's a real real nudge in the ribs. Hey, guys, cult fiction. For... 
people who have definitely not watched that movie if they're in junior high yeah. at the time that the show is coming out. This brings us to a segment of our show called Good Job, Adult Writers. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So this is about one of the characters getting involved with a cult. I did a little bit of research. I know a ton about cults because I'm just morbidly interested in them, but mm. I did a little bit more research leading up to watching this to just see how accurately the show depicts how cults work. Okay. And so I'll be referencing a couple of articles from a couple of places as we go through, and those articles will be linked on our website, and Great. we'll mention them in the description uh, notes on the podcast. Sure. I, on the other hand, will just give my general idea of what cults are, uh, which is completely uninformed and mostly from a scared, mocking point of view. So we start with the theme song. What are your impressions? What do you think Boy Meets World is going into it, having so, never yes, seen it? Never having seen it, I wrote down my thoughts of what this series was about. Based on the opening credits, we know that there is a titular boy. Yep. Who lives with his parents. He's in high school and he knows at least three people. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, a girl that's way out of his league mm-hmm. who apparently l- <laughs> lets him touch her. <laughs> uh, there's a wavy haired surfer type and also a floppy haired surfer type okay. that are his friends. No surfing in this show. There. I know, I'd say surfing. They're, yeah, that's the also, also the thing. They spend their time driving around in a convertible on rural roads in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know what? I I watched this show a lot. It ran for seven seasons between 1993 and 2000. A thing I never noticed and in all the 5,000 episodes I've watched, in the theme song, okay, so the people's names are Sean, Corey, Topanga, and Eric. They're sure. all in a convertible, and they're all sitting outside yeah, of the car on, on the edges of the car, including Eric, who, who is driving. driving. Yes. Yeah. And just nobody's looking at the road ever. Yeah, this is not safe at any speed. Uh-uh. Sean is also apparently pointing at pictures of them in the clouds. Yeah, based on, I guess, clips of the show that are playing in the sky, Mufasa style. <laughs> yes. Yes, to, to accurate heralding what they've been through. Accurate. Uh, based on those clips alone, their adventures are limited exclusively to smiling at each other and screaming at each other. Uh huh. That's it. That's a pretty accurate. Is it? Yeah. I mean, uh, apart from the surfing, because there's no surfing because they're in Philadelphia. Well, it's just surfer types. Um, it, but that's just the '90s floppy haircut. Like that's so. just everyone. All the cute boys had that haircut in the '90s. Yeah. So the Matthews family consists of parents Alan and Amy. Sons, Eric and Corey, and daughter not appearing in this episode. Is that her name? Yeah. Uh, Corey dates Topanga, who's, yeah. and Topanga is extremely smart and driven. They've been dating since they were little kids. Good Lord. Corey's, That's the only way. That's the only way that works. Yeah. He's locked it down early. <laughs> so early. So uh, in keeping with the cultish theme, he has brainwashed her from an Topanga's early age. Topanga's not part of this uh, cult thing. Uh, Corey's best friend is Sean, who comes from a troubled home. His parents are kind of in and out of the picture. Until recently this episode, he's been living with his teacher, Mr. Turner. And there's another teacher, Mr. Feeney, who is also sometimes the principal and lives next door to the the Matthews family and is their backyard Yoda. Oof. There's a lot there. And they tr- really try to go over these character histories uh, in the very first scene. Yeah, that's the thing is they set up the ordinary world right. to, to bring it the hero's journey into this discussion. Mr. Turner, he sets up the ordinary world very clearly right away in the classroom. He passes passing back papers he's graded and he says Topanga did great. Corey did okay. Sean did poorly. Boom, boom, boom. We know who everyone is. In the ordinary world is where we start 
the hero's journey. Exactly. Yes. yes, the ordinary world. So up to this point, hijinks have included things getting lost, people getting broken up with bullying in that very 90s, very light, non-threatening, right. non-life-threatening bullying way. Yes. Um, there have been, there are, over the course of Boy Meets World, a couple of very special episodes. It's not that it's always light sitcom fare, but it's very much like say by the Bell Tonally. Right. And this seems to be stuck in sort of an in-between area between the... Uh, standard like, hey, it's a real light plot and it's going to reset every single time. And a more advanced sitcom where it's like we have a overarching story to tell. Yeah, there are some very long arcs. Um, and we, we really, I mean, the the sort of tone deafness of that is really explored when the teacher's like, hey, listen here, Sean, I know that your parents disappeared and I was taking care of you for a while, but now your parents are back and they're sort of getting a divorce, but maybe not. And I, But I'm still sort of in charge of you, except you're staying with Ben's parents right now. So that catches us up. Also, I would like to point out right now, None of Sean's clothes fit, and this is on purpose. <laughs> this is yes. on purpose. This is his style. Clothes that fit are way too mainstream for Sean Hunter. Oh, yeah. uh, his hair is long, which is all fine, but it's the clothes that don't fit that now as an adult I look back on and I'm like, this is a sign of a person without parents because my mother would have never let me out of the house in clothes that were that big. Is it, though? Because I feel like that's also a, a 90s kind of baggy, like late 90s style as well. All right. Agree to disagree. Um, uh, just discussing. I didn't really like <laughs> throw out a theory there. It could be both. How about that? <laughs> All right. It's both. Uh, end result, not as close. You know what? Change my mind. You're absolutely wrong about that. <laughs> there. I guess if we're taking like absolutes on this. Look, we have a lot to discuss. Hey, quit judging me. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, that's the catchphrase of yeah, this episode. Let's, okay, let's so, get into it. So let's get into it. So this is a thing. Sean has a troubled home life. This is a pretty common stereotypes about cults, is that they look for weak, vulnerable people who don't have a lot going for them, who feel lost, which is true, but also a bit misleading because cults, the tactics that cults use to recruit people can work on anyone. Sure. But they've found just the perfect candidate in Sean. It's true. Who is so ready. Yeah. He is so ready to join a cult. It's, he doesn't even know. So Sean's got a bad grade. This yes. is what we, we learned. We start in, in the is, classroom. Yeah. Tests are passed back. Sean's not doing great. And this leads to this teacher whose Mr. name Turner. is Mr. Turner of an indecipherable accent. Uh, Mr. Turner is immediately has this heart-to-heart like aggressive heart to heart with Sean where he's like, Hey, you didn't do good on your test. Think about your entire life. Okay. The bad grade is a catalyst for a, you need to think about your future speech, which is pretty appropriate for a junior in high school. If you're their teacher and they're not doing well and you're like, have you thought about college? This is a time you got to get in shape. You know, like that is a totally appropriate thing to say. However, then the hard left into you have only a handful of people who care about you yeah. is first of all, nonsensical <laughs> as a segue. And secondly, <laughs> a super shitty thing to say to a person you care about. And I've, I've written these down. Because first of all, he says very sternly to him, TikTok, and then says, you are running out of time to figure out your life, which as a grown person <laughs> fills me with dread. I'm like, Ugh! <laughs> like I'm, I am out of time. I'm, I am in negative I'm time. I didn't, yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm remiss <laughs> if I haven't figured out at least a little bit of it. But if somebody says that to me as a junior, I think my head would have just collapsed in on itself. Yeah. 
he so can't figure is, out his shirt size to no, go back to what we were talking top, about. Yes. Hand, yeah. So cool, cool, cool. Um, he needs to think about his life after graduation. And Sean is like, you're not my guardian anymore. And then the discussion feels counterproductive. This sort of like, you don't have that many people to care about you thing feels like non-motivational if what he's trying to do is motivate this guy. Yeah. But this is what we need to kick this thing off. So, okay. And um, we get into this, this gray area that we're going to come back to time and time again, where Sean feels judged. Yeah. I, this is a super big keyword in this episode. I don't, it gets there's no, quite a bit. we don't even need to discuss it. It's just what the whole episode is. This nebulous idea that Sean feels judged. Yeah. I've judged you. <laughs> I judged you a lot. Mr. Turner, in terms of archetypes, Mr. Turner is acting as the herald archetype here, mm. issuing the call to adventure, which it Sean is pretty clearly the hero of this episode, serving so the, the, the hero archetype. Um, what his journey is, we is a little unclear. It would seem right now that the journey is Sean figuring out what he wants to do with his future, but weirdly, that's not where we're going at all, really. No, not at all. It seems, uh, if, if that's the case, then the call to adventure being figure out your whole life is just in order to get him to freak out and, I don't know, join a cult or something. Yeah, it's super vague, and it sends us down this very strange path, which starts immediately with a refusal of the call, right? So the refusal of the call is when the hero does not want to get involved with what the Herald is pitching. Sherry, a classmate we've never seen before and will never see again in typical (laughs) very special episode style, is lurking outside the door, dropping eaves like a master. Um, This part part is played by uh, Tamara Mello, who went on to pop up in a bunch of 90s stuff like Popular, which was Ryan Murphy's first series, and She's All That. Uh, And I read on IMDb that this episode is her professional debut. Well, congratulations, Sherry, because you come off like a a real creep. With the best 90s haircut ever. She and Sean have almost the same haircut, and it's the best thing ever. Um, So she comes in and she tells Sean that Mr. Turner should never talk to him like that, and she has a hundred people who care about her, and she offers to buy him a cup of coffee, which is actually a classic cult move, and (laughs) she offers not to judge him. Which is apparently super important now. Jumps at the opportunity not to be judged. To be not judged, yeah. And Sean accepts and they go off together. And I would say like the we don't judge you line is a pretty standard cult line, but also pretty standard just like religious community belief system line. We won't judge you. A sense of acceptance for sure. But normally the thing they're not judging you for is something bigger than just not having college plans. Like the the whole thing seems to be don't judge me because I haven't decided where I want to go to college. It's like there there are a lot worse things to judge people about. Again, we're we're dealing with a situation where it's we've got to get into this episode. We don't have much time for plot. Let's move it along. Right. If we posit that the journey we're on is Sean needs to figure out what he's doing with his life, then this is a refusal of the call because he's he's going off with a pretty girl who won't make him think or examine his choices. Mm. That's a classic avoidance state. And so they go to the center. R-E. R-E. I've, I've underlined it every single <laughs> yes. time. It's in capital the letters. The center. <laughs> because, you know, you know what kids love? Pretentious spelling. <laughs> So they go to the center, which is clearly, which Sherry has described as a club, mm-hmm. but it's not at all. It is the, the headquarters of a cult. Look, this place is ridiculous. It is 100 couches, uh, <laughs> two video games and a pinball machine, mm-hmm. uh, which people are emphatically playing. Yeah. Oh, also a stage with a podium and a microphone because yeah, that happens. We're going to need that later. Yeah, absolutely. For one second. And also I noticed on this most recent viewing, a bunch of trophies. Cool. 
week. I don't know. Like, do you think has, they have like a softball team with like the Episcopalian Church? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> like the Lutherans, they Boy. have an intramural league. Oh, uh, we came second place to the Manson family again. <laughs> In Not the nineties, which is the they really work as a team. <laughs> really hanging and they're on. Brutal. And they're dead. I didn't like um, it that they called us pigs the whole game. Yeah. So, so Sherry takes John to the Sintra, and there are a bunch of teens there. They're almost entirely white, although there are a couple of people of color there, but almost entirely all white. Because they're accepting to a point. Of white people. They speak in unison there, and they give a lot of hugs. Hugging is a big thing. There's a lot of, there's no asking before hugging. This is not a consent-based hug. This is just a lot of hugging. And that may seem over the top and kind of kooky, but it's pretty accurate in a sitcom way to the way cults work when a new person comes in. And this is according to how cults work from cultwatch.com. And also an article that was in vice UK in 2014 called, this is how cults work. This this is my main sources here. This is called a love bombing where you're showered with instant friends. And then later, once you've gotten really attached to these instant friends, you're encouraged to cut off the friends and family you had before in a sitcom way this is a pretty accurate representation of how cults work when you're first introduced to the group. Right. I'm going to say that I lose a metric ounce of respect for Sean for every second he's in here because from like lights up on this set, I'm like, oh, a cult. Right. And Sean says this is a cult. He like, does. He, he okay, calls we'll it out get, pretty let's quick. Let's get there. First things first. They come down there. Everybody says, hi, Sherry. And then everybody says, hi, Sean. Sean, who has never been here before. Yep. And this is before Facebook. And this is, there's no way that this group should know him. I, at this point, I'd be like. hunting him. All right, that's fair enough. Well done then, Sherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're kind of giving away your hand when it's like, hey, here's 20 people who already know your name. Sherry's is, is serving up some Get Out vibes. <laughs> she really about is. About 20 years before Get Out. Um, what is the center except, you know, just a, a well-lit, sunken place? <laughs> <laughs> so then Mr. Mac shows up, who's the head of this cult. Uh, uh, Mr. Mac, who's played by Styles from the original Teen Wolf movie. Uh-huh. Thanks, two people. Nice. And so this is, I guess, technically a meeting with the mentor, even though he's a false mentor. He's a trickster mentor. Right. He shows up. He's supposed to be an older and wiser ally. He's serving up some like 90s youth pastor realness. For sure. Oversized suit with a collarless shirt. Oh, so, so this is the thing that bothers me that is not brought up at all in this episode. Cult leaders are after something. And this guy runs a cult for, it seems exclusively, teens. Yeah. They don't have any money. Nope. They don't have any influence. So he's got to be a pedophile. I keep waiting. I, we cannot rule that out. No, Why um, does he need a hundred... Why does he need a child army? Why does he need a tiny child crusade? One of the biggest problems with this episode, I won't say there's just the one big problem, (laughs) uh, is that we're set up to be worried about a character who's in a cult whose motives are undefined. And as such, it's just, hey, you got to get out of that cult that hugs you a bunch and promises to be super accepting. It just doesn't, everybody's like, oh, that Mr. Mac, he's the bad guy. There's so much talk about beliefs. What do you believe? What do they yeah. believe? None of the beliefs are ever outlined or discussed in any way. So we don't know what this cult is about other than that there is one adult and a bunch of kids who all live there apparently i mean does he feed them who is clothing them this is costing him a fortune these kids better be running like (laughs) oliver twist type scams so sean's like ah it's a cult 
uh, to which everybody laughs in unison, or as I like to call it, confirms the fact that they're a cult. <laughs> and they say, that's a judgment. Tell you what, Sean, stick around. If you don't judge us, we won't judge you. And Sean's way into it. Yeah, this is such a compelling argument that he stays through the commercial break. So we're at the five-minute mark of a 22-minute episode, and mm. we're now fully in the special world. Yes. I would argue that when Sean says, oh, my bad, it's a cult, and everyone laughs, we are fully in the special world. Mm-hmm. Sean says, and Sean says, like, oh, I'm going to go, and Mr. Max says, oh, you're you're judging us just like your friends and teachers judge you. Mm. And Sean says, well, I don't really like that. And he says, why? And Sean says, because they don't really know me, but they do. Yeah, your friends They are your teachers and friends. They yeah. do know you a hell of a lot better than these yahoos. This Mr. Mac, Mr. I met you a couple seconds ago and I had Mr. to say your name five times so I'll remember yeah, it. Yeah, seriously. I, it's a, not a very compelling argument, but it compels Sean to stay. Th- <laughs> Sean's all like, yes, sir, Mr. Manson. Right. <laughs> Who can I kill for you, sir? <laughs> so the commercial break happens and we find out that the time elapsed when we come back is an hour. No, this is ridiculous because when we come back, we are at a popular hangout spot, which I think is called Chubby's. I don't remember what it's called, but they're there all the time. It's like, a fe- a sign it's like on their the max. It's it's a feature of the show. Sure. There's a sign that says Chubby's. Look, we'll just call it the hangout spot because Chubby's makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's weird. Um, all right. So we are post-indoctrination, or as Chelsea just mentioned, one hour <laughs> right. of like solid, hey, maybe you should like this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm into it. Into it. And uh, Ben... Uh, sees Sean at this Corey. hangout. Ben Savage is his real name. I'm sure. Well, I've written down Ben every single time. <laughs> his name well, is Corey. Corey's is, Corey is given like a real backseat here because they have so much cult stuff to go over. Yeah. Uh, that we only see him come in, be real creepy with his girlfriend, and then that's pretty much okay, it. Okay, well, I feel like we need to touch on this. Corey comes to their hangout. Sean is there with three of the girls from the center studying, which is very out of character for Sean. Mm-hmm. And then... See, already doing them so good. Yeah. And then, so see, what's the problem? So Sean hugs Corey and Corey freaks out because late in 90s homophobia, laugh track. Gay panic, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are best friends and have been since they were children. They have been through so much shit, including Sean being abandoned by his parents. And yet the fact that Sean would hug him upon seeing him is repulsive to Corey to the point where he backs away and says, let's never say hi like that again. And the laugh track kicks up because... Gay panic. Gay funny. Um, bully, bully, and bully, then bully, Sean bully. preemptively tells Corey that he is not in a cult, which is a super culty thing to say. Yeah. Well, d- d- unprompted. It's not a cult. Right, exactly. It's something that brainwashed people would say. At I some saw point. you an hour ago. I didn't ask if you were in a cult. I didn't think you had time to have joined one. Well, it's been an hour. Right. I, I think the only conclusion that we have is Sean has aggressively brainwashed himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll get that for you. And then Corey asks Sean what he believes in, which is a pretty bold non sequitur. Yeah. And Sean doesn't really have an answer for that. And then Sean yells at Corey about having a nice house and family, which I'm calling comfort shaming. Uh, yes. Uh, and then before Corey can press Whiter the issue, as it were. before Corey can press the issue, Sherry comes up and says they all have to leave, yeah. which is actually time control is a big part of cult life. Endless meetings and tasks keep members immersed in the manufactured cult environment and away from friends and family. So Sean is alienating his allies. He's alienated Corey, his oldest sure. friend. And now we, some time passes and Mr. Turner asks Sean about the cult and Sean says Turner will never understand it. 
which is another classic cult move. Rather than explain to you what the group believes or what the program is up front, they insist that you only understand it if you come to a meeting. Yeah. He tells Turner he'll never understand it. Twitch Turner is basically like, I am an adult and you are a child. Yeah. And let's get into it. What accent is Mr. Turner meant to have? Is it Italian? Is it Brooklyn Italian? I'll tell you what accent it is. It's an accent uh, that I do when I'm trying to do any accent because I can't do <laughs> accent work. Like, give me here. I will do a perfect Mr. Turner accent. Give me, give me literally anything to say. You're a strong person. You're a strong person. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's 100% like sort of New York, sort of Italian, but then some nebulous other accent. Yeah, I don't know. Sure, what... you got to think about your life. I, I mean, will... That's not, that's just, that's just spot on. Okay, I'm going to tell you later about later work that this actor has done. No. Doing the same accent, so that <laughs> just may be his accent. Does he just, is his IMDb just nondescript Italian no, all the we'll way get, down the we'll line? We'll get there. I'm going to tell you at the end of the episode. Do all of his, do all of his characters have a question mark after them? Sicilian? <laughs> All right, so after that, again, and the teacher like doubles down on the pressure. Hey, you're avoiding making your whole, figuring out your entire life by being at the center, which doesn't work, shockingly. And then we, that's our act break. When we come back, we're back at the century. Back at the Sentra. The Toyota Sentra. We still don't know what Mr. Mac plans to do with his child army. They have no money, but he's a pedophile, I guess. They're all there. Uh, Ben and Eric have now come to Corey. His name's Corey. Fuck me. <laughs> Fucking fuck me. But that's funny because I couldn't remember Will Friedle's character's name, which who plays Eric. And so I had written Will a bunch of times so and then ben I went to IMDb. And so Ben and Will come to the century or as their aliases, Corey and Eric. And, and I then remembered, because I haven't watched the show in a while, I remembered watching this episode that Eric is my favorite character on Boy Meets World. Uh, and when he says calls out the line, which one of you brainwashed nuts validates parking? I'm going to throw <laughs> this one out there. <laughs> Sitcoms from the 70s to 90s apparently had a quota of validate parking jokes to make. I swear before almighty God, the episodes that we've watched for this so far, whether we record them or not... <laughs> Half of the episodes are like, ooh, validate parking. <laughs> like, what? I get those jokes now because I live in L.A. And I feel like all the writers are in L.A. And they think that even they in all, Philadelphia, course, someone's looking for Of course, for that makes total sense. Validated. I don't know why I'm not thinking of that. But it's a weird thing to impose on people. It would be like the the, the writers, they live, in, they live in Los Angeles. It'd be like the, the kids on this show being like, boy, that traffic on the 101. <laughs> right. Who validates parking? <laughs> it's a dry heat. <laughs> Where's my agent? It's like you gotta, you gotta like give characters Coconut their own voice. water. <laughs> All the world will fly in a flurry when I take you out. In um. Okay. So this is great. Eric shows up at the cult. Corey brings him for backup, and then Eric repeats this idea that it's only weak-willed people who fall prey to con men and cults. Right. Um, but that's just for a laugh because as soon as he, he is hugged by a girl in a vest, he offers her his wallet, and the laugh track kicks up. And Eric goes off with the girl and says his new nut name is Sunflower Fortunato, which is a name I love. Solid. In a way that implies that he actually doesn't care about this cult and is just trying to get laid, which is Eric's deal through most of the series. Absolutely. Sean tells Corey they need to leave, and Corey says, it's not like I'm doing drugs. And Sean says, it is. Your mind and your behavior are altered, which is pretty astute. But then Corey also says that Mr. Mac can't give Sean what he's looking for because Sean is 16 and doesn't know what he's looking for, to which Sean does not reply, 
tell that to Mr. Turner. <laughs> Could you maybe? Which would be an appropriate response and actually tie this back to how we got started on this path. Sure. Um, but he says he makes you think you're lost so he can find you, which is a pretty astute spot on cult working yeah. I mean, it's assessment. following all the structures of something bad without the actual bad stuff. Right. And I wonder if that's because that would have turned parents off or this is, there are two, two episodes of Boy Meets World that don't get rerun on the Disney Channel. Okay. This is not one of them. One but of there them. are two. I don't remember because when I was looking up, I was trying to write, find an article someone might have written about this, and I couldn't really find yeah, anything pieces on it. We absolutely have to look this up right now. Um, but there are there are two of them, um, and this is not one. So I feel like there might be this idea of like we want people to watch this. The Heaven's Gate thing happened a month ago. Yikes. If we get too dark, they aren't going to stay tuned. This is sort of the thing where we keep running into this, where. Uh, a character is hyped about the thing that they're doing, the wrong thing, the thing the special episode's about, and it really seems to be working out for them. Yeah, there aren't any negative repercussions. There's no negativity at, at all, I guess, because that's too nuanced. Um, I mean, the only negative thing is he's being shitty to the people that love him. Right, um, but mostly because they keep telling him he's in a he's in a, a cult, but not really backing that up with. Because of this. Right. So Sean tells Corey he's free to leave whenever he wants. He just doesn't want to leave. And then the next moment, he is welcomed as a life member in a very hasty no-frills ritual. Um, so at this point, while I'm watching the episode, I, I am still thinking, what's so bad about this cult? I mean, I know that, obviously, it's a cult. It's a little creepy. But I, I keep thinking, what's what's the problem? It's just a bunch of hugging and a lot of acceptance. And then, but then the lights dim, and I said out loud, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, so, yes, we've, we've looked this up. It turns out the two, three episodes have three, been banned. I, was, I stand corrected. Promises, promises, prom, is uh, if you can't be with the one you love and truth about honesty, they've been banned from the Disney Channel because they discussed teen drinking. And premarital sex. Yeah, they they do get married. I know. Oh my that. god! Um, Miles so, has just showed us a picture of them uh, married, which means that you know, I guess, I guess whatever he did worked out. They do. They go to college. It's a whole thing. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sure that it's set up better in in other episodes, but their relationship is distressing to me. It's okay. So the thing. Let's t- take a quick sidebar down memory lane. Boy Meets World. In the earlier episodes, Topanga is a super. When they're kids, she's a super nerdy weirdo. Uh huh. And she kind of pursues him in that way that kids, like kids do. And then she grows up to be super hot and the smartest person in class and super driven. And um, But it set, it's really actually done pretty pretty well. Sure. I'll defend it. All right, let's but get But again, back I've to- only watched the one episode, I but I feel pretty comfortable saying what a bunch <laughs> of bullshit that is. <laughs> That's fair. You're like, not the only person to note that she is out of his oh, league. Oh, great. Um, you know who should have noted that she's out of his league? Topanga. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so you do you want to talk about this ritual? This is where the podium, the lights come into play. I mean, there's really nothing much to say here except that uh, Mr. Mac welcomes Sean as their new life member. Yeah, there is also a door that Corey asks if he can go through, and Mr. Mac says no, which has a star on it, which is referred to the celebrity room. So I feel like we're making allusions to something specific sure. here that is not Heaven's Gate, but I won't go deeper into it sure. than that. I mean, there's a lot of jokes we could make. One of the jokes that I thought about trying to work in there is that Sean's a, a practical geeky from. 
Oh my god! But then I didn't make it because he's not a geek. First of all, I, well, as far as you know, I've watched the whole series. I mean, as far as I know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I said that wrong. <laughs> uh, I was just more impressed that I thought of a cult member uh, pun. Yeah, from I don't, I don't hate that actually. Thanks. All right, so now, so now we're getting to it. The heart. We are approaching the inmost cave, seeking the heart of all wonder and terror. Mm. So. Corey goes to the adults, which one might argue is the best course of action here. Clearly, he already told Mr. Turner about this. Mr. Turner wasn't able to do anything. Sean's parents are not in this episode. So Corey goes to his mom and dad and Mr. Feeney slash Yoda. Um, uh, no one thinks maybe to call Sean's parents. I don't know. They're out of town working on their marriage or yeah, something. Yeah, who knows where they are. Um, they're in their backyard, the, the adults and and Corey. And then Sean brings Eric back because Eric has been kicked out of the center for being only in it for the hugs. He was too insincere to be in to the club, which shows a lot cult. of, you know, judgment on this cult's part. So judgy. I'm kind of... Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but, you know, they also saw somebody who was being opportunistic and kicked them out because they were there for mm. the wrong reasons. Mm. Kind of defending this cult. I don't mean to be. Uh, well, Feeney reveals he's been trying to shut down the Sintra for a while. Again. And then the Matthews parents say that Sean needs to stay with them, but Sean says, Sean says he's going back. They can't force him to stay. And the, there's a lot of Sean going, he said you'd say that. He said you'd say that, which yeah. is the motherfucking creepiest thing you can hear come out of your friend's mouth. Yeah. And Feeney, in his Yoda way, says, oh, I'm sure he's given you a thought for every occasion, which is a burn. Sick, sick Feeney burn there. Yep. So, yes, they seem to be trying to dissuade him from the cult that's making him a bit creepy. Yeah. Just solid. He's trying to save him from being a creep. Right. Is the, the teacher slash principal who lives next door and hangs mm-hmm. out in their backyard all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yep. No, you can save this kid from being creepy. Yep. You know, you know what else is creepy? Being a tubby teenager who's into D&D and Nine Inch Nails, but nobody tried to save me from that. <laughs> you were just too old. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, you had... Oh, I was Feeny. a teen meets world, Feeny. not a boy Feeny. meets world. Feeny came along after you were, you were given up. Ah, it stinks. So Feeny uh, says he's all for the search for something to believe in and spirituality, etc., but that is not what Mr. Mac is offering. And then the Matthews straight up asks Sean, what do you believe in? Do you believe in God? Sean says nothing. And here is the thing about this episode. No actual beliefs have been presented from anyone. No, not we at all. We don't know what Mr. Mac believes. And then the Matthews don't volunteer their beliefs at this moment. When Corey asks Sean, what do you believe in? Corey does not say then, I believe in X. So it's it's like the show is like, we have to have a, a thing. We have to have an episode about how you have to have a strong belief system so you don't join a cult, but no one's actually going to lay out what they believe in because that would be too right. prescriptive. It has to be nebulous so that we aren't saying, because by the end of this episode, I, I who was raised a uh, strict Southern Baptist, start getting some real Christianity vibes, but by the end of it. And I think they're trying yeah. to stay away from like, we don't want to support one specific belief. So we'll just throw the word God out there every now and then and say that it's important to have some beliefs. Some beliefs. So this is the, the we're approaching the inmost cave and the big thing happens, the big deus ex machina of this, ap- of this episode, Feeney's phone rings, Jonathan Turner teacher slash former guardian of Sean, very close to him. Slash Sicilian, slash Italian, right, slash New Yorker. Know, has been in a motorcycle accident. He's in critical condition. So we cut immediately to the hospital. Topanga's wearing green plaid pants I want really badly. I mean, I'd, I'd be kind of all right with them too. They're pretty honestly. great. So if you guys want to send us some green plaid pants. We we'll, have a post office box. We have a post office box. Uh, everyone's there except for Sean, obviously. They're all very worried. He's apparently unconscious, this teacher. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Sean comes in with Max Sputin. The adults go on high alert. He's like, I think Mr. Mac could help. With what? Is he a grief counselor? Is he anything at all? He only has one suit. He only has the one suit. How together could this guy be? (laughs) How helpful do you know of anybody who has just the one suit? But I will say that Max Sputin really ups the creep factor in this scene, referring to Sean as his child and talking about how he's there for any child who needs him in this super creepy Pied Piper voice. If they just went like a half a foot farther with this and just made it so he was like... I'm getting these kids to do crimes or I'm touching these kids. Yeah. Then no, I'd be, you know, that would justify the whole thing. Right. But they don't. Alan, the patriarch of the Matthews family, Jesus. shoves Mac up against a wall and because let's solve to, this with violence. Threatens to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Which is supposed to make us see how much he cares about Sean, but we already know that. And, <laughs> and Sean is not phased by this somehow. And, but then his wife wisely points out that this guy would love a lawsuit. And, and, and thematically speaking, isn't murder the ultimate judgment? <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, and she's not wrong. This is a super culty thing to, 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 uh, make money by suing people for stuff as a person who got into a mild Twitter battle with the Westboro Baptist church once. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, it was a stupid thing. I don't know exactly what it was about, but they kept tweeting at me. And so then I posted that every time they tweeted to me, I was going to donate $5 to the human rights campaign and they stopped immediately. Oh, great. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. And you struck a blow against all the Mr. Max in the world. Oh my God. I just can only imagine that's just one person perhaps running he's, their Twitter. Perhaps we should call them Southern Mactists. <gasps> Max Putin. The Maxboro Baptist Church. <laughs> oh my God. Mac turns around after saying he's going to take Sean away and like, Sean and Corey and Topanga are gone. They're gone. Which is a weird little moment, but it's fine. It just turns out they've gone into the hospital room. Yeah, because we need to get to the ordeal. So we've been approaching the inmost cave, and now we are there. It's the climax. Right, where Luigi is laid up with a broken <laughs> arm and leg. God. And uh, he's, he's feeling real goo. Yeah, so the kids are all at his bedside and Sean wants to run away. Topanga says he has to stay and face this because this is real life. This is what's happening now, which is, I guess we're sort of back on track. If we think of if we think of the center as Sean's way to escape from his life. Yes. But what he was escaping from before was expectations and, and like judgments. and planning. Yeah. And now it's the actual death of a friend and mentor. So I don't know, but we're definitely at the Supreme ordeal either way. The supreme ordeal, which is... The showdown with the shadow. This is the climax of the this show. This is the, the big moment. Yeah. This is the denouement. The so, de- yeah, and again, like, yeah. yeah I'm, denouement's falling out. Were action. you about to... Um, uh, yeah, I'm a writer. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it's, I know what I mean to say. Yeah. So, since all that's been cut out, um, <laughs> this, the climax of the action is right here. And again, if they had brought this up as you're in this cult to avoid reality, to avoid responsibility. That's a valid concern. Even to avoid developing a belief or a sense of self. All great points, none of which are addressed until now, sort of. So yeah. their their solution is... Uh, an aggressive hug. A hug uh, that's like, this is a real hug. This is, you hug someone you care about them. Which is valid. Sure. It's fair. Fine. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe ease up a little bit. <laughs> if you're trying to promote the hug that you're giving, maybe don't make it the most violent hug I've ever <laughs> right. seen. Uh, and then they're like, we're going to leave you alone in this room with this dying man so that you can face reality. I and mean, I get, I get the logic. And Sean delivers, frankly, a pretty hard to follow rambling monologue that I remember weeping over when it aired. Oh my God. I remember being so moved by this. And then I watched it. I've now watched it twice and read the text of it online. And I was like, this, 
is impossible to follow. He's weaving all over the place. He is, but he is the ups and downs. Basic thesis of it is about Turner taught him stuff, but not enough stuff, so Turner can't leave because I don't do alone real good. Which look, I know his parents have abandoned him multiple times, but this kid five seconds ago had people literally fist fighting about where he gets to sleep tonight. Yeah. So his aloneness is a bit up for debate. <laughs> And then he yells, don't blow me off, John, which is echoes of the first scene because the John, the teacher told him not to blow him off. Sure, great. And then that hard Ooh. left turns into don't blow me off, God. Literally the same line. Don't blow me off, John. Don't blow me off, God. Which, this seems hackneyed, yes. But huh. I will say a lot of people do turn to God in times of trouble who aren't normally religious as a sort of like Hail Mary Pass sure. appeal to whatever might be out there. Yeah, kind of no thing. atheists in the foxhole, kind of a thing. Exactly. And then Sean prays an actual prayer and tells God he doesn't want to be empty inside anymore. And Turner squeezes his hand. Hey, here's what the lesson is: is don't believe in some intangible, easy to access higher power. Instead, believe in God who will solve everything on the spot. Yeah. I okay. It's also something about in judgment. Terms of shoring this up. I feel like this could be so easily remedied by if they're all there and Corey and, and Topanga and the Matthews family, Matthew's family say, you have to stay here. This person cared about you. you mm. This is hard, but you have to face this. And Mr. Max says, no, no, let's just go back to the center and hug and drink Coke. Oh, yeah. Like a solid then, this or that. Then he has to choose, no, life is hard, but these are the people that care about me and I'm going to stay here and deal with this yeah. and not avoid my problems and avoid my future anymore. But he has never presented with that choice. That choice comes after he's already had this talk with God. Right. So this is the tag. The re- act We're in Act 3, the return to the ordinary world, the reward and consequences. The denouement. The denouement. He goes back out into the waiting room. And Sean says to Mr. Mac that he's done with being easy and done with easy and done with empty and done with Mr. Mac. And Mr. Mac didn't cause this in any way. He didn't do anything hypocritical or ask too much or creep him out or anything. It's just sort of like Sean, the facing Mr. Turner on his deathbed has made Sean realize what's important to him and that he believes in God or something, which sure. is super nebulous, but it's minute 21 and a half. So we got to wrap we this got time. up. We ain't got time to really go into it. We had to spend that three minutes with the yeah. rambling monologue about you're not done yelling at me yet, Mr. Yeah, right. Italian. Oh my God. And so of course, in typical, very special episode fashion, we will never see Sean in church after this. Mm-mm. He'll never be carrying around a religious philosophy book. No. Uh, this was the deus ex machina and then nothing. And Sean's emptiness inside, which was never mentioned before, will never be mentioned again. Right. He refers to as a hole inside of him that he's worried people can see right through. Which he's never mentioned before. And it again, never comes up well, again. Well, it's all fixed now. Yeah. Now it's fixed. We assume that Mr. Turner makes it because of the hand squeeze, although he's sure. he's never seen on this show again. Oof, what a bold choice. Um, yeah, until... Oh, excuse me. He appears on Girl Meets World. What? Episode Girl Meets the New Teacher more than 18 years later. Season 2, episode 11 of Girl Meets World, which of course I then went and watched. And he's now the superintendent of schools. And now Corey works... Corey is a teacher at the school. Okay. His daughter is in his class. Gotcha. And they have a hip young English teacher who wants to teach them graphic novels instead of To Kill a Mockingbird. And the principal tries to fire her. And then they call in the superintendent, who is Mr. Turner. Does he still have the same, same accent? Jesus Christ. 100% has not changed. Has so, maybe gotten more pronounced over Well, he was in a motorcycle accident, Chelsea. <laughs> Give him a break. And they talk about that, though. He says, like, things happen for a reason after that accident. I basically switched to administration. 
this this whole this has a whole like there's a this is a George R R Martin <laughs> brand world building that they've done here, where it's like oh John Snow's the superintendent of schools now. All right, uh, so Andy, what did you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just that's impressive. I get it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, we're now, there's not much more to say about this. The there's end nothing is, more to say about this. The end is super unsatisfying because yep. Sean snaps out of his cult brainwashing due to we're not sure what. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Mac Rasputin's off. We never see him again. Absolutely. So uh, who in this episode did you want to hug? Uh, Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> I And this is going to sound creepy. Hear me out. I wanted to hug Topanga and tell her, Run, girl. <laughs> you need to learn your worth. Get out of this. He is an anchor dragging you down. Wendy Williams style. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I wanted to hug Sherry and be like, where are your parents? How about that? How about anybody else in the century? Yeah. Are we meant to just be like, well, they're done for. Apparently the Matthews family and Feeney don't care about them. Well, Feeney's now that trying Sean to get it shut fine. down. That's true. It's true. But seems to have given up also. Right. He's he's just realized that's not going to happen. Sherry, solid idea for hugging. Yeah. And who did you, uh, what did you learn? Uh, what did I learn? Cults are bad is what I think I was meant to learn from this. You know, but what I did learn was if you are any sort of a mentor to a junior in high school, maybe ease up a little bit. Saying to someone you only have a year to figure out your life at any age is the worst thing to say to someone. Yeah, and maybe I'm going to do the same thing. If you're a mentor figure, don't tell the person that their plans for college equate their with their self-worth Yeah, and that very few people care about them. Yeah. I feel like there is never a point where you want to tell someone that very few people care about them. That's never going to make things better. It's not a great better. idea. It's and not it's a motivator. It's really just a way to deflect from the fact that your accent is poorly developed. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, you'll never let that go. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of Hugging and Learning. I'm Chelsea. I'm Andrew. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. You can visit us online at huggingandlearning.com or send us an email at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe. Tell your friends about us. You can rate and review. Tell us about your experiences with the things we talked about today. Or suggest what episode you'd like us to do next. Thanks for listening. Our audio engineer is Miles Pulaski and our theme music is by Miles Pulaski. I'm Chelsea. I'm Andrew. See you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Bye.